Today we uh, read from Paul's letter to the Romans. And we'll be reading from Romans 8, chapter 8, verses 18 to 30, and focus on the quite familiar verse of Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now the context of this writing follows, of course, the beginning of the chapter, Romans 8, 1 through 17, where Paul is professing words of hope and what it means to have Christ in us and the Holy Spirit at work in us, affirming as believers that we are children of God, no longer slaves, people who live in freedom and without fear, heirs of God. Verse 17 closes off that first section. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So that talk about hope and glory continues in the following verses. And as we read from the passage from verses 18 to 30, take notice that this passage is sandwiched between talking about the glory that awaits us. Verse 18 refers to glory, and then at the end, verse 30 refers to glory. And this passage presents our current reality as it is today. But it also presents what God's emerging future is for his people. This passage provides the believer hope in Christ Jesus. So before we read from Romans 8, 18 to 30, let's come to God in prayer. Father God, Holy God, Savior God, we ask that you open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to this part of Paul's letter in Romans and help us to focus on all that you do for us through your Son, Jesus Christ, and what that means for us, not only for the future, but also for today. In this sinful and groaning creation, may we see the glory and the hope that you have in store for us. And it's only in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Romans 8, 18 to 30. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. And not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. What hopes for, or who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And this is the verse that we'll be focusing on. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. 
For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you were to pull out your local newspaper... Or if you were to jump to the headlines on your browser's homepage, I trust you're likely to find some good news. But more likely, you'll probably find dramatic or much more bad news. In politics, the government continues to deal with the SNC-Lavalin scandal. Provincially, there is uh, quite a bit of talk about the education system and the class size at this time. Throughout our country of Canada, injustices have occurred with the indigenous folks. First Nations in Canada have boiling water advisories. Beyond our areas, the tragic killings of Muslims in Christchurch, New Zealand. The tragic tortures and deaths of Christians over land disputes in Nigeria. Closer to home in London, nine people have had fatal drug overdoses in the past week alone. Creation. In creation, there's a deadly disease that has wiped out 90 species of toads and frogs. Again, you can see the devastation. Floods, landslides, tsunamis that wreak havoc with creation, but also destroy lives. Families who have had untimely deaths of a child or spouse or loved ones. Creation around us and all people groan. Verse 18, the Apostle Paul begins with our present sufferings, our current reality in this world. It's that we live in a sinful, suffering, groaning, frustrating world. And we know from Scripture that Paul himself was not without his troubles. He wrote in 2 Corinthians 11, 24-28, Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. And I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger from the city, in danger from the country, in danger at the sea, in danger from false believers. And I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches." Paul has faced a lot of suffering. And in this passage of Romans, Paul says that the whole creation is groaning. The whole creation is groaning as in the pains of childbirth. Now, I don't want to try to pretend what pregnancy is like or even the pains of childbirth. I'm not going there. But if Scripture uses this as a clear illustration of this broken, frustrated world, I salute you women. (laughs) That's something else. Scripture uses this analogy because of the pain. But also because this is the stage that the world is in. It is in the stage of birth pains. It is pregnant with sin. The New Testament provides several examples of this theme of already but not yet. 
that the kingdom of heaven is already on this earth, but it's not yet here at its fullest. We've been already adopted as God's children, but not living it yet out completely with him. We have already been justified and reconciled and in his family, but we not yet have received the full inheritance with resurrected bodies, and we're not yet glorified. And so scripture states that in this present, in this time, we don't just remain and let it be what the current reality is. Scripture doesn't accept the status quo in the believer's life. God has an emerging future for his people. In verse 18, again, we read, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. There is more to this life. There is hope. And Paul continues... Hope that is not seen is not hope at all. Or rather, hope that is seen is not hope at all. Verse 24. Hope is for something that we do not have, but we can wait for it patiently. Verse 25. And we wait with the power of the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit will help us in our weakness and intercede for us. Verse 26. The Spirit will work in us to keep our faith, to keep our hope. During this pregnancy during this pain of the childbirth, through the suffering and sinfulness of this world, our God provides, he provides the Holy Spirit to us in this waiting period. And God promises that he will oversee everything and that he is in control of everything, that he is sovereign. So Paul is setting this basis for our hope. That as believers, things may appear hopeless, even with sometimes the present sufferings. But as believers, we are people of hope because there is more. 1 Peter 1, verse 3, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. We sang about his mercy. We received his mercy this morning. And his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We are saved. We have been saved. All our sins have been forgiven. And eternal life is to come. And we're called out. We're called to live out that salvation today. And so we get to our main verse that we're focusing on, verse 28, where we read, and we know, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Firstly, we know. And this goes back to the Holy Spirit instilling in us that we have knowledge, that we have the knowledge of what God has done for us, that's not to say that there's not going to be doubts. There will be doubts. Our faith is a journey. It will go up and down. But we know. We know what God has done for us. And we tend to be disobedient in this sinful world, but the Spirit will continue to work in us, to help us in our weakness. The Spirit will continue to work in us so that we know. So what do we know? 
we know that in all things God works. We know that in all things, not just some things, but our God is involved in all things. He's involved in the good. He's involved in the bad. God is at work in all things. It's not that he's the cause of all things, because God, our God is a perfect God, he, and he has nothing to do with evil. So is Scripture telling the truth that in all things God is at work? Yes. In tragedy, in illness, in everything, in everything bad that we would wish wouldn't even happen, God is at work, and he's with us because he's sovereign. It's God at work. It's not luck. It's not chance. It is God through his care and his providence and his love and his mercy and his grace. Some of you might recall a passage in Matthew, Matthew 6, 25 to 34, where Jesus talks about the birds of the air. He talks about the flowers in the field. Jesus spoke that he takes care of creation. So how much more will he not take care of the splendor of his creation, his people. Psalm 8, verse 5, God has crowned his people with glory and honor. His people are the splendor. Creation and his people matter big time to God. But yet tragedies strike and creation and people continue to groan. And often when bad stuff happens in our lives. We people tend to try to justify the tragedies by looking for the good that came out of it. We try to find the good in it, just most likely to be able to at least justify why this has happened. And if we cannot find good, then the loss or tragic event seems meaningless to us. I'm watching a series on Netflix at the moment about a president of the USA and his first lady and how in one of the episodes they were in a losing position in the presidential election. And just before the election day, a tragic event happened in their family. Their son died. But election day still went on. And what happened was that the president won with sympathy votes. The first lady, the son's mother, tried to make sense out of her own son's tragic death by stating, well, at least it put a good person, her husband, into office. You see, tragedies, we tend to often justify them. We try to find meaning in the bad. We often try to find the good in every bad situation. And I want to say that it's okay. It is okay to find the positive and the negative. It is okay to find good in the tragedy. It's okay to search for meaning. But the thing about this is that often, at best, we have come up with an answer, but it's only an assumption. We don't know for sure. But what we do know for sure, what we do know for certain is that whatever circumstance that is before us, God is with us in the pain. He is with us in the suffering. He is with us in the frustration of the tragedy. We know in all things God works. 
we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. So what does good mean? Well, it doesn't mean prosperity or comfort necessarily. Good means to be conformed, transformed into the image of God's Son. It's good that we will be like Jesus one day. We will be sinless. We will be pure. It is good that, as Scripture says, we will be glorified. You see, God's good and our good are probably not always the same. God's good is making us more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. God's good is about glorification. So this passage here in Romans 8 is talking about our salvation. That whatever minor things happen in our life, whatever major things happen in our life, all things that happen in our life will not change God's good plan his good plan of salvation for his people. So there may be times that we totally question the good in a situation. And again, that's okay. And maybe you can't find any good, or maybe, of course, you make an assumption. And maybe you can find good. But God's plan of salvation for you and his people, his good plan continues to be worked on in all things. We can be sure of our salvation because it is on account of God. If we're on account of ourselves, we don't have any security or assurance. In fact, we'd have no hope. But because our salvation is on account of God, we have full assurance. We have confidence. We have hope. So brothers and sisters, believe in Jesus Put your faith and your hope in him. As mentioned earlier, this is a passage of already, but not yet. We are already saved. The work of salvation has been completed at the cross and the tomb. And we look forward to celebrating Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection in, in the couple weeks ahead. We are already saved, but we are not yet glorified. There is a pregnancy and pains, but there's no birth. Creation and all of us are in that pregnant stage and with birth pains. And in due time, what occurred in the past, where God created a perfect world and created perfect humanity, and where God said, it is very good, this will happen again. This will happen when Jesus comes again and we are glorified. It will be very good again. But in the meantime, somebody's body is filled with cancer and pain. Or somebody's in a wheelchair or a walker and struggles with a disability. Or a parent is trying to make sense out of their child's death. Or somebody can't rid themselves of an addiction. Or somebody who continually has to live with medication to balance depression and mental illness for the rest of their life. Or somebody struggles with same-sex attraction. Or somebody has sin in their life. Paul says 
we know that in all things God works for, for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. We may not have all the answers, people, but we have hope. Believers in Christ have hope. Now I want to say one final thing, that this verse does not bring hope to everyone. It states, it's for those who love God. This verse is for the believer. This verse is for those who know through the Spirit's conviction, conviction that Jesus came and died to seek the lost. That Jesus died, he came and died for our sins. Are you lost? He came for you. Are you a sinner? He came for you. And that we cannot possibly save ourselves. And only God can initiate that saving, amazing grace in our lives. And we can respond out of thanksgiving and love. Do you believe? If you do, there is hope. There is hope for you. Believing does not mean that you have everything together, but that God continues to work in you through the power of his Holy Spirit and there is hope. Always hope. Paul in these verses, we've said it already, is saying how we live in a sinful and broken and suffering world. And he also, in faith and hope, points our eyes towards what's next. God's complete glory will be revealed in us, and we will be made like Jesus. So friends, whatever good or bad is going on in your life, let God's good work of salvation be received by you. And may it be evident in your lives. We took the bread and we took the cup earlier, not because we're worthy, but because he's worthy. And because of what he is doing in our lives, despite our sinfulness and our temptations and our disobedience. So let us turn our hearts in faith and believe in the saving power and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And together we say, Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, that you are always present. And despite our circumstances, and in all our circumstances, in all things, you continue to work out our salvation and our lives out for your good purpose. Lord, we know that we are sinful and we are broken, and some are even in a time of despair, and this is not the way that you intended. So through the power of your Holy Spirit, continue to work in us and through us, and affirm and assure us of your presence and our salvation. We know things have not been fully completed, and we look forward to the day of your second coming and our glorification, when we and all your creation will be restored. Lord, we trust you, and ask that you continue to guide us in all our life. It's only in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.